This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's Bucks Bills. This is a big one on Sunday. Jim Nance, hello, friends, is in the building, along with Tony Romo. Well, Jim, nobody circles wagons like the Buffalo Bills, as Boomer would say. I've been looking forward to this game pretty much all year, Steve Versnick, but now after having seen the Bills play, although I think it's going to be an entirely different Bills team that we're going to see fired up on Sunday. But man, that Patriots game, they did not look that great. Although, if they finish one of those two red zone drives, they come down here winners. But their backs are against the wall, as they say, and all those other cliches. Um, they're looking at a wild card at best. They're not going to win the AFC East, I don't think. And so this is a desperate game for the Buffalo Bills. They have to win this game just to stay one game behind New England. Now, granted, they play them again later this wow. year. So, you know, th- this is a this mm-hmm. is a key game for the Bills. I mean, you're coming off a short week on a Monday night. Right, you're a game right. and a half behind Got the Patriots. Travel. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, this is – there's not a must-win game at this point for Buffalo. But if you want sure. a shot at that division, it would certainly help you if you win this game. Yeah, no, it definitely would. And I, I think they have gone 0 for Florida so far. I mean, they lost in Jacksonville. I want to say they lost to Miami in Miami, but I'm not sure about that. Um, and, and look, I, I would think that there probably isn't a bigger uh, temperature variance from game to game uh, in weather conditions than, they, than they're going to experience, which, uh, man, that Monday night game, that was just uh, almost unplayable, uh, certainly if you're going one direction with the wind. Although Josh Allen can throw it, you know, through a hurricane, as they say, and he can really spin it. A guy from Wyoming, it didn't seem to bother him as much, but, of course, you know, the Patriots attempted all of three passes. Listen, I think Josh Allen is an elite talent, and I think he's the kind of quarterback that will give this defense trouble. And we've seen this uh, particularly, you know, they're not as talented as, say, the Rams um, receivers necessarily or the Cowboys when they were all healthy in, in week one. But it's a similar type of thing, right? They got Stephon Diggs, who is absolutely Josh Allen's his go-to guy. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, old man Sanders, can still he can still make some plays. Um, he's not that bad. And and then you know the tight end has seven touchdowns and Dawson Knox. I mean they got some dudes, you know that can. Uh, Gabriel Davis is a kid from UCF. He can really run. He's he's one. He's like their downfield guy. I mean he averages about. Uh, 17 yards a catch. So not a, not a good running team per se. I mean, I think Devin Singletary has about 500 yards. But it's all Josh Allen. And Josh Allen will probably lead the team in rushing. And, and when these quarterbacks get outside the pocket like Allen, um, they've given the Bucks some trouble. You know, the big guys have to run a lot. Um, you know, it, it, they make some easy first downs with their feet. You're subbing out defensive linemen. So I I think this is going to be – and watch, I'll say this: it'll be a, a six to three game. But uh, I think it's going to be a high scoring game because we know the Bucks score a lot of points, especially at home. Right? They're averaging damn near forty points at home. Uh, I don't think they'll need that many against the Bills. But this feels to me like more of a Dallas Cowboys type game um, 
than a Miami Dolphins game. You know what I'm saying? I, I completely agree. I think, look, I mean, part of it is Buffalo coming off. Yeah, they only scored 10 points, but if you look at the conditions on Monday night. Yeah. But knowing the circumstances, knowing Josh Allen's running ability, which has given the – when the mobile quarterbacks give bucks, not fits, but it's another dimension that you, problem, you don't always yeah. prepare for and you're not mm-hmm. always ready for. And and Josh Allen throughout his career has gotten better at, at picking the right spots when to run, uh, yeah. not just running all the time. So you have to respect that. Aren't, I mean, early in his career he ran a lot, and yes. so you'd prepare for that. Now it's throw first – but he'll use his legs and he uses it in the mm-hmm. right spots. And, you know, if you, and he's a big guy to take down too. You know, he's yes. not, not a small quarterback. So uh, it's going to be a challenge for the Bucks defense, particularly. I mean, the secondary still banged up. You're getting corners back, but safeties are out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be, a, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but I, I do like the Bucks being at home. And I still think that's a huge advantage for the, for the Buccaneers. Uh, we've seen it all year long, how, how they play differently at home compared to the road. Really, for two years, I they haven't lost a game. I mean, you know, this mm-hmm. is the thing. Like, uh, they, they have uh, dominated at Raymond James Stadium. And, you know, is there a quarterback who has tormented the Buffalo Bills more than Tom Brady, right? I mean, the best record he has against any franchise, I want to say something like 34-3 and three or so. I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd how many times he's beaten this franchise. So... Uh, that's certainly in his favor too, if you're just looking from a historical standpoint. But yeah, I mean, I think the injuries are a factor for Tampa Bay, and it's great that they got all three corners back last week. I think that made a big difference in that game against Matt Ryan. Um, however, Jamel Dean went into concussion protocol, right? So, uh, you know, as we do this podcast, we're still waiting um, to see if he's going to clear that. There's a, there's a chance that he might. They certainly need all three corners. Uh, having Carlton Davis back, I think, was enormous. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he was <laughs> he was funny, man. He, you talk about a guy chomping at the bed. I mean, it's hard. I think people don't realize when you're in the NFL, and particularly for a guy like Carlton, who's in a free agent year, right? He's going to be a free agent, so every game was precious to him to put up numbers, to get film, um, to you know, uh, sort of prove his assertion that he's one of the or maybe the best cover corner in the NFL. He said, bar none. That always scares me when guys say that. But um, he had a good start to the season, and then he got hurt in that New England game on special teams, of all things, uh, with that quad injury, and it, it knocked him out for a lot of games. And so now he, he still has you know five or six games to sort of show his worth and show that he is a number one corner in this league, uh, and I think he's going to do it. And he came back and he played a ton of plays um, last week, and he did a really good job on, on even guys like Kyle Pitts at times uh, he was batting balls away. He, he you know, had a fumble recovery. He was very active. And when you see him and you see the communication that him and Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting have, right, that they sort of got better at at the end of last season, it's just different, right? They, they're just able to trust each other in situations, communicate. And Dean blanketed uh, his receivers. I mean, really, Matt Ryan was sacked five times, and, and I would say that at least four of them was because – he had nowhere to go with the football. Um, you know, Matt's not going to scramble, obviously, but when you, when he took that fifth or seventh step drop or whatever he was taking, and he looked upfield, those guys were covered, and and that's been the thing that's been missing in Todd Bowles's defense. You know, without all those corners, he's had to play off. He's had to keep. You know, the, the whole goal was let's keep everything in front of us, and so Richard Sherman or, or whoever it was has been has been playing off receivers. Now he can dial up pressure. Now. 
um, you know, that defensive line um, and the two outside linebackers are able to work together to get uh, some some pressure on Matt Ryan because when he hits that back foot, those guys aren't open and he's holding the ball. And, and, and so you hope that, you know, they can continue doing that. But in this game, the trouble is not having those safeties. Um, you know, Jordan Whitehead has been a big force. I think one of the reasons why they ran the ball so well in Atlanta in the first first quarter last week was because they were missing Whitehead. Whitehead is that guy that comes downhill in the box, uh, absolutely fills those gaps, uh, thumps the running back. Um, you know, they didn't have that. I mean, you, you're playing a guy like Andrew Adams. Um, you're playing Ross Cockrell. You're playing backup safeties. Not that they haven't played a lot of football. They have. But, it's you know, there's a reason why guys are starters and other guys aren't. So not only did you not have Jordan Whitehead, you didn't have Mike Edwards. And Mike Edwards, you know, they've been going to kind of a big nickel where Edwards has played sort of in that slot. Now, with the three corners, assuming Jamel Dean is back, you can use those three guys on the field all the time because Dean will play outside when uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, when they go three wide, needs to come and play the nickel. So they've got that, that the, their top three guys, assuming Dean can make it back. But, you know, you're, you're basically – down to one starting safety uh, in Antoine Winfield Jr. And that's not a good position to be in against a Josh Allen uh, team. Who, when he extends plays, you have to plaster those receivers because he's going to create space. He's going to you know, create uh, problems in the back end uh, as he extends the play. So um, I still think that the secondary is a big story uh, in this season. They're still not whole. And it seems like Every game, somebody's going to go out at that position. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, they'll get a guy back, and then you'll be into the game, and then next thing you know, whether it's Jamel Dean or one of the other corners, or, you know, they're down here surrounded by trainers. And that's just been the hardest thing. Is And I think it's the only thing, by the way, Steve, that's going to keep this team from going where they want to go is injuries. Um, look, after this Buffalo game, to me, they got to beat the Saints one time, right, with Tom Brady in the regular season. And – we know the Saints are struggling. They got Taysom Hill at quarterback now. This game to me is the last team with a winning record, right? Uh, that's a playoff type team, bound team, that they're going to play. There's nobody on their schedule if they show up and they're healthy that they they're not they're not going to beat. Okay, they got Carolina twice, home and away, and the Jets in between that. Um, they're going to run. The, they have a chance if they win this game to run the table. And do what they did last year, and and at fourteen and three, got a pretty good look at the number one seed. I think. I think if they're fourteen and three, they will be the number one seed. I don't do think you? There's okay. Any, I, I mean, in order to not to be Green Bay, they'd have to run the table too. They'd have to win every game, and the Cardinals would have to win Arizona, all but one game. Correct, and then I don't know if there's a three way title and what the tie break would be. Um, Favors Green Bay. Well, um, I knew, NFC with but, NFC record, I believe. Okay, well, I, I knew I knew with the two way, but I didn't know the three way how it would work. Yeah, but, with the three way, I think it's Green Bay, just because they they would have the most wins in the NFC. But yeah, I I, I mean, Green Bay's got a couple tougher games remaining, if I recall. Well, um, they play Baltimore. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if anyone's going to get them in the in the uh, NFC uh, North. That's the problem, right? They play mm-hmm. Chicago again, that sort of thing. I mean, could they trip up? Here's a big story in Green Bay: Is Aaron Rodgers in his in that toe? Is 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 he going to need surgery? Is that thing going to hold up? Uh, how much you know? Listen, when you're playing uh, professional football as a quarterback or anybody that has to move on occasion, um, just to get out there on Sunday, your feet are, are everything. You know, we we've seen it um, take guys out for extended periods, and and it seems as if 
if surgery becomes an option and he's going to miss games, look there, Jordan Love this week is out with COVID. So, you know, you're one hit away and you're always one hit. I mean, so are the Bucks, right? With Tom Brady, but, but this is a, a painful thing from what I understand. He's a tough guy. He's one, one game with it. So he's able to play on it, but is it going to get any better or is it going to continue to get worse? Will he have to sit down at some point? I mean, and that's the thing, right? You know, I mean, like, you know, the Cardinals lost Kyler Murray for three games. They won two of them. Um, you know, they were able to uh, to pull that off with Colt McCoy. So, uh, you know, but Russell Wilson is back uh, a little bit uh, better. And it seems like, you know, maybe uh, San Francisco until last week looked like they were going to start to make a run. So Arizona still has some tough games left in their own division with the Rams and everybody else. So, um, you know, they certainly could could bump their head. And to be honest with you, if the Bucks had to go on the road to Arizona, that would not to me that that would not be uh something that, you know, they couldn't overcome. I just think it's going to be hard to go back to Green Bay because I think that the stars aligned for them a little bit last year. Now Green Bay would have all the pressure in the world, right? The last they've lost the last two NFC Championship games. So, you know, you talk about, hey, we, you know, Aaron Rodgers may not even be back next year. We better win it now. Um, but I don't also don't think you're going to get a 34 degree balmy day in Green Bay like we had a year ago, and I know there'll be more than nine or ten thousand placard, you know, banging fans in Lambeau Field. So that's not a place you want to go into in February. Trust me. Um, I think after they left, they they got like you know a ton of snow, and and, and the temperatures were below zero. So you just don't know uh, that late in the year what you're going to run into. And so for that reason, you obviously want home field advantage. You get a buy if you're the number one seed. Uh, but right now, if if the playoffs, and I love this, if the playoffs started today, um, they don't start today, but they would play the Washington football team here uh, at Raymond James, and we know how good they've been at home, even though they've struggled against Washington really the last two years. So this is a, like I said, this is such a big, big game. Um, and Tom Brady even said the biggest game of the year was well, the next one, so you would think that that's what Tom Brady sort of always says, but it really is. And then next week, you know, if they get past Buffalo, they'll say, well, now this is, we got a chance to clinch the division and this is the biggest game. And it will be for that week. I just don't think the Saints have enough. Never discount them. Never discount Sean Payton. He's certainly beaten these guys enough times, but this is the last team on their schedule with a winning record. I mean, it's incredible um, that you get to this point in the year and they could with help, with help, they could wrap up the division on you know on against the Bills. You beat the Bills and you get Atlanta over Carolina if the Jets win as well or tie either of those teams both both tie or win. Um you're the division champs before you even play the Saints. Um you know which is remarkable to me. So a lot on the line uh in this game and you know I I I think it's going to be a good game. There'll be Bills fans there. It's not going to be, you know, completely a, a sold out pro bucks uh type of situation. So um, you know, that, that's something to watch too. As far as how they're playing and what, what do you do? You know, I've been asked a lot this week, Steve, about what's the game plan. You know, you just saw New England line up and run it all but three times. Uh, and even though obviously the Bills knew what they were doing and they had 10-man fronts, sometimes 11-man fronts, they couldn't stop it. You know, they, they could not stop uh, New England from controlling the football. Not that they gave up a ton of points, but they, you know, um, they were successful in doing it uh, with just with just trying to run the football. I I think you're you're gonna you know if I know Tom Brady and and Byron Leftwich and they've sort of been doing this the last few weeks, they're gonna try to run the football too. And you'd be remiss not to do it. I just hope that they don't 
get into one of these games where they go, we're going to run every first down, we're going to, you know, second and nine, second and eight, um, you know, throw the ball a little bit on first down. I mean, it's the easiest down to throw it on, right? And and I think I think Brady will probably mix it up a little bit more than he's than he has, but I do know this: that Tom Brady is not looking to stand back there and throw it fifty times this week. The reason they did that last week, and I thought it was it was a little shocking, especially the first drive, thirteen passes, and I think Brady probably checked to a few of those. They had no threat of laying a glove on him. He was not going to be touched. That that Atlanta defensive line and in, in, in front four in particular. Um, is one of the worst in the NFL at at uh, sacking the quarterback, much less hitting them. So Brady was perfectly fine, and even though he threw it 13 times, he got rid of the ball quicker than he had all year. Um, at some time, at many times, like 2.1 seconds. So it wasn't like he was going to stand back there and hold the ball. Um, so I I think that you know we've seen him. The biggest change to me this year from last year is they're not taking the deep shots. They're not you know, trying to force four verticals on every play. Um, this is a true Brady offense to me. And I've talked to Byron Leftwich, who, you know, who told me, you know, after 21 years, the thing that Brady has that other quarterbacks don't, when you stand back there as an NFL quarterback and you see some things down the field, you go, I could fit that one in. Because uh, you want to be, you want to be the guy, you know, you like to throw the football, right? Like you want to grip it and rip it. I mean, that's your job. That that's that's sort of you know you, you grew up with the strong arm you 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 know you want to make plays you want to make plays down the field, um, but with Brady who's got all the stripes on his shirts and all the trophies in the case, he's not looking to impress anybody. He's going to absolutely stay disciplined and patient, and not get bored. You know, Leftwich told me he goes it's boring when you just check the ball down. It's boring when you just turn and hand it off. Brady sees cover two, he's going to run the football. You know. Brady sees his his outside receivers doubled up. He's going to check it down. He doesn't care. And I I think, you know, we we haven't seen as many explosive plays necessarily, but that that to me is sort of Brady's MO now. This this is a Tom Brady offense with one tight end, two receivers and one running back. You know, they're not spreading the field with three wideouts all the time and when they do, the big shock has been that Brashard Perryman got all the reps last week. But I I think that you know this is one of those games where um, Brady's going to make some plays, but it's going to be more balanced than it was last week. He's not going to throw it fifty-one times. Look, I think Brady's going to do whatever the defense gives him. Yes, if, if Buffalo absolutely. lines up and tries to stop that run, he'll throw the ball. And and look, mm-hmm. that short passing game to Tom Brady is just like the running game. It is. It's no it different. Is. I mean, that's his. It's essentially what he did in New England for years. He didn't have great mm-hmm. running backs. He. Had, great backs that could catch the ball out of the backfield and they right. use the pass as short passes as a running game it's just an extension yeah. of the running game and mm-hmm. so uh, you know uh, particularly at home whatever if if they want to guard the pass he'll run it if they're gonna if they're gonna come up and put eight men in the box he's gonna throw the ball i mean brady's gonna do whatever the defense gives him that's what he's gonna check to and yeah. and so you know, a lot of it is dictated. I mean, Atlanta wasn't going to generate a pass rush. I'll sit back here and pass all day long. No problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, we know Brady's not going to take the hits. No. No. You know, not at this stage of his career. No. And and quite frankly, you're week 14 of a 18-week season. The playoffs are right around the corner. You're in good position. Don't take the hits. Mm-mm. The, the, you know, I mean, you're going to you're going to make the playoffs. I mean, you're one yeah. game from winning the division with five yes. games to go. They're going to win the division. Right. 
So you're gonna so living to to see the playoffs in next week is a lot more important than ever taking a hit. Yep. In, in this game like next week, etc. Well, but it's even more critical now that you're you know the end goal is in sight. Absolutely. That, that whatever whatever Buffalo and the next week New Orleans and you know Carolina whatever they're going to give him he's going to take and it, and it's going to be you know if I'm dropping back. I'm either going to have a clean pocket where I have time to launch it down the field, or it's going to be short passes. And, yep. and, and you know, it's it's about getting ready for the playoffs at this point for the Bucks. Absolutely, survive in advance, get your wins. Uh, it's a 17 game season. It's not a 16 game season. That extra week is big. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all that could happen in one extra game, right? I mean, you could be obliterated by injuries, and and you start with Brady. Obviously, you know, you can't. You're not going to win anything if he goes down. And Tom is the best protector of Tom. He's always said, I'd rather lose a game than get hurt and lose you know, multiple games or a season. And at this stage, look, any kind of season-ending injury, catastrophic injury, he's not. his career is over. Okay, I don't see him battling back from a torn ACL or something like that. So, I mean, you know, he's at the point now where you know, if he tears his rotator cuff, it's over. Okay? Just just plan the retirement party in New England because that's where he's going back to and sign his one-day contract, and we'll all have the press conference. Um, but, you know, Brady's looking to win a Super Bowl. He's going to – he absolutely is going to protect himself. Um, and I still – yet I still think he'll do enough. Here's what's been very telling to me these last few weeks, and really going back to last year in the Super Bowl. We know how much confidence he has in, in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and they were talking about sort of how – they have built chemistry with Tom Brady. I mean, Godwin made some unbelievable catches, you know, combat catches, uh, grimy catches, but the ball placement and some of those throws um, were, were next level, right? It's like they've come to expect the ball in places. They've come to trust that Brady's going to throw them out of danger, right? He's not going to throw them into an oncoming safety. He's going to throw the ball where either they get it or nobody does, right? So they're very confident. They have sort of this – uh, chemistry, which is building each week with Mike Evans, with with uh, Chris Godwin, and he trusts those guys. You know who else he trusts? The guys he brought in here. More than ever, I think it's obvious, right? If you look at it, and Antonio Brown is out. He's suspended. He'll be back in a couple of weeks, I believe, even though that hasn't been announced. Um, but if you look at the end of the year and the beginning of this year, and really, or really now in particular – it's Rob Gronkowski, who, you know, 90 touchdowns together, right? No, no other player. And what they're doing right now is crazy to me. I, I you know, I thought Gronk was pretty much done. Um, and then, he, you know, he made it through the, the, the 20 weeks last year. He gets that, you know, cracked ribs all over the place. Then the back, sort of a back spasm on top of that. And, and I watched him. I thought, this is it. This is like, he, you know, you know what? He didn't have anything left and, and his body's breaking down. He has come back, and he is playing with Brady as well as he played with him in New England. And talk about a difference maker, right? There's no one that can cover this guy. He's six foot six, 265 pounds, can still run well enough. He doesn't need separation because, you know, the ball placement and, and if you get a man coverage, like no one's climbing that ladder to get the ball from Gronk where, where Brady throws it. So, you know, you talk about energy on the sideline, on the field, doesn't come off the field. Uh, his run blocking, which is you know much better than O.J. Howard, which is why he can't get on the field because basically Gronk's endurance, he doesn't come off. The red zone, the, the tutties, 
Um, you know, this guy's had two touchdowns in most of the games that he's played, uh, and, and if not, like, you know, five in the last, I think, two or three weeks. So, I mean, the guy is is such a, a next-level guy. So he, he, he trusts Gronk, obviously. You know who else he trusts? Leonard Fournette. Trust Leonard Fournette. He brought in Leonard Fournette. Fournette has continued to work, continued to work, was playoff Lenny. Now in the receiving game, um, he trusts him more, both as a blocker because he's absolutely picked up some blitzes. I don't know if you saw the angry runs like he had where he, where he just trucked this guy from uh, Atlanta. But before he goes out for the pass and runs over somebody, he absolutely levels a, a, a guy that's a free rusher, you know, one of the linebackers in a blitz situation. Levels him, goes out, catches the ball, runs over a dude. I'm telling you, when you see that on film or you watch that live, I mean, that's what that's what really excites a guy like Brady, like um, Byron Leftwich. So the people he's really going to are the guys he brought here, right? And when Antonio Brown comes back, he'll be the other guy. I mean, just look at the Super Bowl. Who caught the touchdowns? Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. That's not an accident. That's who Tom Brady trusts. That's where the ball is going to go. Occasionally, Brady gets in there in a red zone situation. He had a touchdown, one, one reception, one target. Um, you'll see that once in a while. But he's going to his guys. You know, I mean that that's and 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 the, the weird thing, and I don't get this, and I and somebody's got to explain it to me. We're still going to be writing about it. Is that if I'm Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller, I'm fuming in that receiving room. Let me get this straight. You brought in Brashard Perryman, who we let walk, okay, as a free agent. And he got $2 million from Detroit, who then cut him, okay? And, yes, he did some things at the end of 2019 with Jameis Winston. So you bring him back on the practice squad. You activate him a couple weeks. And last week he played like 58 snaps as the third receiver. Well, Scotty Miller got eight, I think, and Tyler Johnson got like four. I'd be like, um, excuse me, didn't we make huge plays last year with Tom Brady to get us not just two but also win the Super Bowl? I mean, the biggest play of the year was by Scotty Miller. You want to talk about bar none. That touchdown at the end of the first half in Green Bay was the game, okay, because Brady didn't play well the second. He threw three interceptions. Uh, the catch that Tyler Johnson makes on third down in, in New Orleans, they don't make that first down, folks. They're going to go down by a couple touchdowns, and that game's probably over. And and so I I gotta I gotta think that they're thinking what in the hell? All I can imagine, Steve, is that Tom Brady in practice saw something in in Brashard Perryman, whether it was his length, his size, his physical. I don't know what it was. He hasn't produced when he's been out there, but fifty eight snaps for him last week. I don't get it. It's got to be something that either. The coaches on film, but more probably more just whatever Tom Brady, for whatever reason, whatever. right? Um, you know, it's hard to talk because it's, as well as it looked like he and Scotty Miller had a connection last year. They do. Um, they do. And, and and some big, as you mentioned, the big plays. But even throughout the season, it seemed like they they got along pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, I see Antonio Brown kind of took that position over once they signed him. Understandable, right? Sure, but yeah, it is a little puzzling Bizarre. just from the outside to sit there and go why is Brashard Perryman getting that many snaps and the others aren't so yeah no it's just it's crazy 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, we got some mailbag questions uh, that we had left over. We promised we'd get to, so let's do that. Yeah, Ghost Narf had asked, and this is a pretty easy one for you, but when an NFL team says they had a walkthrough practice, what is that? Can you describe what goes on? Yeah, well, basically it's uh, shorts and T-shirts and ball caps. Um, you know, there's no contact, right? So you're walking through you're walking through plays, uh, you know, whether it's the look squad, um, and it's not at full speed obviously because you don't want incidental contact and things like this to hurt you. So you're, you're, you're practicing, but you're really just preserving the legs and preserving the body because even in, um, you know, like during the week, and now we're at the part of the year where they're limited as to how many padded practice you can have by rule, by CBA. Um, so they're probably at about maybe, they probably still have maybe a padded practice or two where they could have like on a Wednesday they can put them in pads. But even if you're not tackling to the ground or you're not um, you know, doing that sort of thing, the offensive linemen and the D linemen are still engaged. You still have some contact. And so, you know, the equipment, you know, heavy and all that stuff, those heavy days, they start to add up this time of year. And so BA, other coaches around the league, um, take the pads off. They have to take the pads off, but but in BA's case, on Wednesday, which I haven't seen that this year, Wednesday's usually a heavier work workload day. Um, in Thursday, but on Wednesday of, of uh, last week or this week, he went ahead and uh, and just had him in shorts, shorts, uh, jerseys, uh, ball caps, and they and they walked through, and and that's why we call it. It's it's, it's kind of a jog, but um, it's a you know sort of a euphemism for we're not really practicing hard. And you'll see that when they have Thursday night games, they can't practice full speed um, because they they need time for the recovery of their bodies. This is a veteran-laden team. I mean, they brought back 22 starters, and a lot of these guys, you know, have played, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, sometimes 12 years. Um, so some of these guys are on this schedule anyway where they didn't practice once a week. I mean, we haven't seen Jason Pierre-Paul practice but two times, I think, like in the last four or five weeks since he since he hurt his shoulder. And Domicon Sue takes a day or two off every week, always has. Um, and, and there's a number of guys like that. Even Brady now has been taking at least one day off during the week um, to preserve his arm. And that he seems to have embraced that. In the beginning, they had to convince him to do it, and now I think he sees the benefit of it. And he, and he did it last week before he threw it 51 times against Atlanta. So that's sort of what a walkthrough is. Um, doesn't mean they're not practicing. Doesn't mean they're not getting something out of it. Sometimes you can get more out of it, but um, but that's that's sort of what the mode they've been in. And, and that's a lot of times, you know, Wednesday and Thursday are your heavy days, and they, they emphasize different things each day, right? Like on Friday, you might go two-minute offense, okay? Uh, Thursday, you might install red zone and, you know, four-minute offense, like when you have the lead and you're trying to milk the ball away or, you know, milk the clock. So each 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 day is a different situation, and then you have special teams as well. So that, that's sort of what it, what it boils down to is it's just a slower-paced practice, one that doesn't require – a lot of running because you want those guys to get their legs back. I mean, imagine how many miles now 
and they track this. They all have GPSs on their on their bodies when they practice. How many miles that these receivers and these defensive backs have run at this point of the year? When you factor in training camp and preseason, it's a lot. So trying to give them a chance to get through the 17 games and then hopefully, uh, if you're fortunate enough to advance, another month of football after that. All right, Craig in Vegas had tweeted us. He said, half the Bucks' road games are now in domes. The experience is very nice, knowing weather will be good and comfortable to sit in. It also attracts bigger events to that city. Is it time for the Buccaneers to get a dome stadium for fans and future big events? You know, I, I know that the Glazers put, they say, $160 million into Raymond James. The fact is it's still a 21-year-old stadium, and the, and the shelf life of these things are about, have been about that. You know, the Georgia Dome was 20 years when they tore it down. Um, I do think whenever this comes, and it's probably sooner than later, uh, and it'll be a hell of a discussion, right, with all the, the needs of communities and, and trying ways to build stadiums these days. Um, the one advantage they have, of course, is that that land is owned by, you know, the Tampa Sports Story. So, I mean, they, they have the property. It's not like you have to uh, find a place to, to build a stadium. They've actually, the, where the stadium is now is where the old, Al Lopez Field used to be, and then the north parking lot is where the old Sombrero was. So if you were to build a new stadium, you'd go back to where the old Sombrero was and build it in the north parking lot, and then you know Raymond James Stadium would then become a parking lot at some point. Um, so you just you just flop spaces. But you know, I do think that whatever they decide the next building is going to be, because there will be one, my guess is Yes, it's going to be climate controlled. It's just too hot down here. Um, and I, I think they know that. Now, Miami has done the thing you know, with the awnings. The Bucks look into that to try to pr- create some shade. Um, it, it's not cost effective on an old stadium to put that much money into it uh, to create just an awning or something like that. Listen, the best stadium in the NFL, and, and again, bar none seems to be the, the buzzword of the podcast, is SoFi Stadium. Now, that thing cost about $2.5 billion, right? So you're not going to build that. But that the construction of that is such that it, where it has a roof, but it, it feels like open air because it's a breezeway. You know, it, it's just a, a, a covered stadium but with open sides, and it's really, it's really well done. You'd like to have something like that. I don't know that they could build it because of the expense of it all. Um, but, you know, in Minnesota, where they absolutely have to have, you know, because of the winter, have a dome – uh, type situation or roof on their stadium they have made it mostly glass and so you get natural sunlight and i'm here to tell you that you know that sort of thing has taken over in the nfl as well uh, atlanta has a lot of natural sunlight las vegas same thing um, so it, you you get you are inside and you know you're inside but it, it, it creates the illusion of being outside because of all the natural sunlight and the ability to see outside and see the city and see all that. So that might be a way for them to go. So I, I, don't, I haven't talked to anybody about this, and certainly the Bucks aren't going to start talking about building stadiums until they're really ready to build stadiums, and it's going to be a hell of a discussion. But I do think that, the, that if they do one of those, it's going to be you know, some way to climate control um, you know, the situation with whether it's a roof, an awning, uh, indoor, what have you, uh, retractable. I, I don't know. It's going to be incredibly expensive, obviously, by the time they get around to it. But I do think it will be covered in some form or fashion. 
All right, we've got a couple of baseball questions here, and Michael had tweeted us. Do you think there will be any MLB regular season games missed this season? I do. I don't. I don't. Listen, um, what's a real deadline? Okay, the real deadline is when you when you work backwards and you go, look, if we don't go to spring training, we need this much ramp up time. We're going to have to start trimming games on the back end because we can't play until December, right? We can maybe eke it into the little part of November, but I mean, eventually. If you're talking about 162 games, you start losing games. And when at the point where, and I don't know what that, that date is, right, but at the point where we better be in spring training by this date if we want a 162-game season, that's, that's what's the when the rubber's going to meet the road. And I don't know that, that what that date is because you could have an abbreviated spring training to some extent, but not much of one because you've got to build up some arms. Although nowadays, how many guys throw more than five innings anyway? Um, so I don't know how much buildup is required, but um, I do think that I, I just think this is going to be a very, very contentious negotiation with Major League Baseball and its, and its players' union. I, I think these things don't usually go well, and, and you really don't even know what the best deals or the, or, or the real issues are until you get to those deadlines. But, I'm, Steve, I'm fearful that they're going to lose games. I don't know how many. Maybe it's eight. You know, maybe it's, maybe mm-hmm. it's ten. Maybe it's twenty. I just don't think they're going to play 162 games. I, I I don't disagree that I think it's going to get ugly and contentious. I'm more optimistic they don't miss games because of how much money players and owners lost two years ago with COVID. Well, that's that, a good that, point. That still stings, and do they want to lose more money? I mean, you know, every, every game you cut off is less money for the players, less television money, less money for the owners. But that's short term if you're the players, right? I mean, if you're looking for players, it's short term for the owners. Players have a short shelf life. Well, they do. I mean, you start yeah, cutting I mean, off a month or two for a player yeah. that's only going to play two or three years in the big leagues. Now, I mean, your star players, sure, that's short term. But yeah. you know, these players don't. I mean, the average player doesn't play that long. Right. You start cutting off games and months, or, or you know, or weeks of games, and that can be significant in your career. Not only mm-hmm. for your your salary, but your service time and retirement. You know, I, I right. think I, I think cooler heads will prevail, but I think it's going to get ugly first. I, I don't know yeah. how. It's just I it just with what with with everyone lost during COVID, I think it's going to be when it when it gets time to okay, we've got to have a deal done by you know next week to start the season on time, whatever. I think they'll get close to getting that deal done. Maybe they have to, you know, push the season back a week or something to get it all in, but I, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm too much the glass half full guy, but I, I think they'll figure out a way. Yeah, like there's I'm too much money op- at stake. I'm less optimistic than you are for sure. All right, well, enjoy the game. Bucks Bills of course on Sunday and we will be talking to you uh Monday morning to wrap up that as well as any other action uh throughout the NHL. Of course, the Lightning have a, a busy weekend on tap as well. As uh They're in Ottawa Saturday afternoon. Yeah, continuing their Canadian swing. Yeah, it finishes their five-game trip before they're home on Tuesday. Yeah. So, we'll have that uh for you to talk about on Monday's podcast. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.